now that we're into part three, I really started thinking about like what kind of drink that Ed Kemper would be. And I feel mm. like that would be a really interesting concept. I feel like he's a really fucked up cocktail. He's got mommy issues, got daddy issues. He's something. I what is it? Uh, probably. If I was gonna say Kemper, I'd say one fifty one in a tall glass. Ooh, ooh! <laughs> <laughs> would he be a mind eraser? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going to give you that one, Sam. I'm going to start making ratings for all of our serial killers that we write. Fucking mind eraser. God damn, dude. (laughs) Fucking god damn. Like, I can't even with you right now. Like, you know where this is going. You know where this episode's going. (laughs) That's why I said it. (laughs) Fucking. Sam over here. I didn't even think about shots, dude. That's a dream. I was thinking, a like, mind a co- I was a dream. thinking like a cocktail. Yeah. A mind eraser is a I've, drink. I've always had it as a shot. No, you layer it. Much like the girls that Ed Kemper killed. <laughs> they only had it as a shot to the they head. They had one shot, one with, opportunity. It was a 22. <laughs> oh, my God. And then you could also say that about his penis, too. He had one shot. No, 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 no. Oh. It was also called the Mind Eraser. That's why I said that was the yeah. Mind Eraser. Uh, I went with the gun. I'm in shock over it. I finally just. It yeah, went Christian my, finally got it. It went over my block. She's two minutes behind on the, <laughs> the uptake. It's fine. You're pretty. I try. I try. I don't know. I guess I just keep thinking, God, that I'm not, you know, buried or shot in the head yet because i know that if i was you know a couple years behind a couple centuries behind i would have been burned at the stake so this is where i'm at right now stay pretty don't get murdered Um, (laughs) i need that as a as a shirt i like that feel free to put that on a t-shirt christian Uh, but yeah kemper we're we're almost done this is this is the uh grand crescendo for uh for old Kemper. But before we get any further into Kemper, just uh wanna thank everybody who's uh downloading the episodes. Mm-hmm. Make sure you do that. Leave us a review, it really helps us out. Um fantastic first week to August. Oh my gosh, I know. Yeah. Like I'm blown away. But yeah, the announcement board at the crypt is uh very much thanking you guys. Yeah, we we got one serial killer left to cover after this episode. Yep. It is the Night Stalker. And we're just dropping it now? Yeah, I'm going to drop it. Okay. I'm going to go for it. Okay. You couldn't end it with anything better than that. I mean, that's just crazy. That guy's absolutely bonkers crazy nuts. Oh, yeah. On the levels of guy, like, even, I don't know. And somehow he got extremely fuckable after he was arrested. But we'll talk more about that. It's amazing what happens when you can do dental work on the dollar of California. Yeah. No shit. (laughs) But yeah, guys. um, Thank you again. Make sure you rate and review the show. um, Download the episodes. And Sam, without further ado, take it away. Ed Kemper, part three. So where we left off is he had just murdered Aiko Koo, correct? Yeah, that was the girl that old Bumblebutt accidentally left the gun in the car and locked himself out of. Yes. And she let him back in. She let him back in. Okay. She was so freaking clear. So I'm not sure if he... So he goes back to his apartment, dismembers her... Does his Copulates thing. with the head. Does his things. Uh, so then he takes her head, puts it in his car somewhere. I'm assuming in the trunk. I don't know. And heads off to his therapy session. Wonderful. And the, it's one of two therapy sessions that he takes to or does or goes to whatever. However you describe it. One to verb it. Uh, and... It's one of two. So he goes in this first interview, kills it, 
No pun intended. This. <laughs> God damn. This, <laughs> this the first therapist thinks he is just Mister Wonderful. Can do no wrong. He would be. I think Ed described it. This first therapist as like the therapist would be shocked if he came across Ed Kemper again, as like not being settled to like normal life. And then so he takes that. He's really getting ahead. Yeah, he's he, like, you know, fuck yeah. You know, he's finally, I feel like he, the the therapist is like, I finally feel like that young man is getting ahead and getting to put his past behind him. Meanwhile, he's got a head out in his trunk. Yeah. So, and literally says, quote, he thought I was Mr. Wonderful or something about the first therapist. So he goes out, goes to a bar, gets fucking hammered comes I'm sure back he admired his kill like his trophy in between that two i'm sure he did like beaten off into his trunk gross like by his downing eager bombs or something <laughs> that doesn't sound like anything not normal who wouldn't do that if they were yeah, except Jager for the bombs. decapitated head of a teenager in your trunk mm. so then he goes to this second interview Blitzed. I mean, he's fucking. He quoted himself like he. Uh, I fucking love this story so he, goddamn much. He walked into in the, the second interview with the second doctor. He walks into the room, quote, blasted off my tail on beer, and the doctor didn't even notice. What the fuck? Perfectly Did, normal. Yeah, if I'm Perfectly drunk, normal. you know I'm drunk. Mm hmm. I also feel like he maybe like compartmentalized a lot. Like what he was gonna say. Yeah, I mean, all right. So He's what you notice? What you notice with Ed Kemper is everything's a fucking bit with this dude. So it's he like tell, a cat and mouse game. Well, he tells the same fucking stories, and I think I referenced this before. But there's like a an interview where he gets interrupted, and the guy's like, "Hold on," and Kemper's like, "Hold on, hold on. You're you're gonna interrupt a bit." You're interrupting the good part. Like, it, it's like a stand-up routine with this dude. Sam just got bitch slapped by Bob the Zombie. <laughs> He's like, quit. We're, we're definitely going to have to move his his reach. His reach is a little bit much. <laughs> In turn, Bob the Zombie just bitch slapped the shit out of you. I, I hate that that wasn't on video. Well, we don't have executive intern Or executive Salem. producer Salem. Yeah, He's taking producer. a little cat nap. All right, so Kemper gets amazing re reviews from these two shrinks. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'd be surprised if I ever had to analyze him again or whatever it was. I don't remember the exact terminology that they used. Have a session? Yeah, I, I would be surprised if I saw him come across my desk again or something like that. And I'm just like, well, boy, are you in for a treat. Give it about a year. Right. I wonder how that therapist felt when he uh, saw how it really went down. I want to know how that cop felt when he, the cop, the cop that pulled him over for a broken taillight with the bodies in the trunk. Yeah. I want to know what he felt, what he felt like. Like an idiot. Probably. He's like, fuck, I just pulled over Ed Kemper. Are you kidding me? Um, I would assume it's much how the two cops that released that young boy to uh, Jeffrey Dahmer felt. Probably. Something similar. And you see this time and time again. They get caught by the cops with a body in the trunk or a mountain of evidence in the car covered in blood and nothing happens. The cops probably getting ready to end his shift. And he's like, I don't want that fucking paperwork. So Kemper gets uh, released from probation. Yeah. 19 in 1973. And that's where we're going to pick up right now yep so he's back living once again with clarnell they can't he can't keep going back this he, is just his i like, wish i could quit you mama yeah this is like his kryptonite shit in the worst form like it's like a toxic kryptonite oh it's so toxic well i mean kryptonite inherently is toxic to superman yeah i mean yeah okay, well, okay. yeah that's maybe true. we okay, need to come up with analogy yeah it's like somebody who keeps going back to it's an addiction 
Yes. He is addicted to being abused by this woman at this point. Yeah. Like, she has such a psychological grasp on this man. Mm -hmm. And we will find out how strong that that grasp is. It's like a a good dick and bad abuse, mental abuse, or good pussy and mental abuse. Don't raise your hand. I relate. I wasn't going to say a fucking word. I knew that was a trap. It's like Christian's testing me. Is this a test? I have to keep my mouth shut. So Ed's back living with his mom. Um, Something tells me it wasn't a joyous reunion. Whatever gave you that idea? I feel like what's... What's getting ready to transpire is the closest thing to Ed has is a, a ramp up mode, I would say. He never really hit a berserker state or a bloodlust. No, not really. Like blood fury. He never hit his blood fury. No, I don't think he gave himself the opportunity to. No, I think it could have. He could have gotten in the very high digits. Like, oh, yeah. The last episode, we talked about his uh, bumblebutt kerfuffles and how, oh, he, the, yeah, how he fucked up all of the murders. Yeah. This episode, there's not going to be any fuck ups. No. It's He's finally hit his stride. He's got his center. He's found his, his calling. The Zen mode. He's and honed he's his craft. Onward. So... Here we go. Let's continue. So Ed's back in with his mom. Despite be despite him being a full grown man at this point, her uh, Clarnell's abuse starts right back up where it left off. I mean, pick up where you left off. It's like riding a fucking bike. Yeah, you know, just psychologically damage your own son to a point to where he's gonna do the unthinkable. Yeah. Did you think she, do you think he ever like told, anyway, hold on. And we'll I'm going to put a pin in that. Um, just remind me because I'm probably going to forget. So Ed recalls this time in his life, quote, my mother and I started right in on horrendous battles, just horrible battles, violent and vicious. I just imagine them just like going at it because she's like six foot tall. Yeah, yeah, she's, she's a, not a little woman. She's like fucking Catherine Knight. She's a big bitch. Yeah. Yeah, Catherine Knight was another six foot tall one. She was, Clarnell was six foot and 220. Strong, independent woman. Mm-hmm. She's a big <laughs> well, woman. she had four marriages, so is she mm. independent? I don't know. She is at this point. Yes. She's kind of just settled into it. She's like, <laughs> I'm going to be alone forever. Now, let me just. Yeah, can. we'll get more into that in a little bit. <laughs> So Ed has stated in interviews that he often searched for victims after having arguments with his mother and that she refused to introduce him to women attending the university where she worked. He recalled, quote, she would say, you're just like your father. You don't deserve to get to know them. And this is kind of where Ed hits his whole like incel stride. Yeah. He's like. Oh, these girls just don't understand. If they gave me a good, uh, gave me a chance, they'd see I was a good guy. I know I'm not the best looking guy, but I would, I deserve a chance. Well, young Ed really like weirdly, he wasn't like hideous. He wasn't a bad looking guy. He no. was fucking really tall. I mean, the guy was fucking engaged at one point to somebody <laughs> to a 16 year old. Let's not get too crazy with that. Yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah. Let's not get. Let's. That's pretty Don't bad. Don't get crazy. Now, granted, this was the 70s. I, mm, still mm, weird. But yeah. I don't think it counts. Does she have to have it like her mom's sign permission slip? Was no. it like a field trip? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, well? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, she could have climbed Ed like a jungle gym. I mean, he is almost seven foot tall. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a foot and a half taller than I am. So, like, his elbow? Yeah. so like either no. The plate so, got his height. What so, was his name again? 
that's Mortimer. Yeah, Mortimer. But yeah, so Kemper at this point is just full blown king incel. And he's like, I don't understand why the pretty girls won't even give me a chance. And then he starts blaming his mom for keeping the attractive women from him. Yeah. Because Ed loved pretty girls. Who doesn't enjoy a pretty girl? Who doesn't? Who doesn't? Show me someone who doesn't enjoy a pretty but girl. Let me put it this way. And I'll show you a lot. Ed probably had higher expectations than he should have. Well, he says, oh, no, I'm not a looker. No, but, but he also wasn't like horrible looking. He wasn't like a toad. He was. I mean, he, I wouldn't sleep with him. There you go. I wouldn't. I mean, he's six foot nine. I don't know what he's packing. He might. I don't know. Big old horse cock. I mean, maybe Just slapping it around. Now I know what the stake he imagined the girl's head on was. Oh, fuck. Wow. That just changed Big a lot of things. Big old fucking fourteen-inch dong. That's not even fun at that point. I don't know. I don't have a point of reference for something like that. D- yeah, cause I can't I'm, even. That's like a mini broom. It's like a sideshow act. <laughs> can he make balloon animals out of it? Because if he can't, <laughs> actually. So there is a serial killer we will cover at some point who makes had, balloon dick animals. Yeah. Uh, it was so big it couldn't get hard. What? Oh, wait, I do know. Okay, I think yeah. I know who you're talking about. We will cover him at a later date. I feel like I've heard this fun fact about one about someone, but yeah. I don't remember who it but, was, so don't spoil it for me. Okay, let's get back into uh, Kemper. So, living with Clarnell once again, unfortunately, did not stop Ed from continuing his um, extracurricular activities, if you will. On January 8th, he picked up 18-year-old Cindy Shaw near Watsonville. He drove her to a wooded area before shooting her and placing her body in the trunk of a car, of his car. He took her lifeless body back to his mother's house before hiding the body in the closet overnight. So we pulled a Jeffrey Dahmer right here. He basically dismembered this girl with his mother in the house. This is like his next level of escalation because he has to dismember this body. Um, so I'll let you say how he did it, but it's, it's fucking brutal. And his mother was in the house when it happened. Yeah, no, it was when it was after she left for work. He brought her in whenever she was there. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So after so the next day, Clarnell had left for work. Ed uh, did his things with the corpse. Mm. He actually kind of developed a quasi relationship with this this uh, particular one. He Gross. he he cherished this one, as we'll come to find out. Fantastic. So what really? So this part really like I was like, oh shit. Okay, so he thought to remove the bullet from Cindy's body wherever he shot her, and I don't, I don't. Well, think this is right after he got his twenty-two, so now he's he's using his twenty-two pistol to his brand new one to really go for the gusto. But the fact his, his modus operandi before has been strangulation or stabbing, yeah, because um, he strangled Iko with a scarf. And he stabbed the first two girls to death. Uh-huh. So this is his first one using a gun. But it was back in this, like, this is still in the 70s. So, like, forensics really wasn't huge yet. Yeah, but you have to remember, this is a dude who hangs out with cops and uh, watches yeah. nothing but cop shows. But still, like, he had, like, the wherewithal to be like, oh, remove the bullet. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. Ahead of, a t- ahead of his time. Seriously. He's a real trailblazer. He's something, all right. So he has relations with the corpse. He removes the bullet and then dismembers her in the bathtub with an axe. I feel like I'm a fucked up version of Clue right now. All I can think of. <laughs> in the of, bathtub with an axe. <laughs> all I can think of is that scene from Scarface where they 
dismember the dude with the chainsaw in the bathtub. Oh, and make uh, what's his name? Watch. Yeah. I feel like it was it was about as graphic. Well, there as was that. nobody watching. He did this on. So. Ed was watching that with his pants down, probably. <laughs> with his cock swinging around, while he's swinging an axe. helicopter. <laughs> yeah, just butt naked in. The, well, yeah, he probably was butt naked in the shower. Yeah, chopping her to pieces. Probably. probably I mean, if I was get, if I was getting bloodied up, it's not like he I'd was. Probably be naked too. Uh, Patrick Bateman in uh, American Psycho, where he wore like the trench, like the raincoat. <laughs> Do you like Huey Lewis in the news? Oh my god. So Ed kept Cindy's severed head for several days. Regularly. I don't know if you can call it having sex with it. He was I mean he was No, he was fucking the skull. Inserting like, Oral like forced copulation. On a corpse. On a severed head. Yes. I don't know what hole probably every hole. Yes. No hole was safe. No. Ew. So he, after he was uh, done with it, he. I love the disdain in your voice when you said that. After he was done. Whenever he decided that she was all used up. Fucking Daniel. He's not Daniel Plainview and there will be blood. It's not like after he. Well, spoiler alert. After the final scene where he's like, I'm finished! Finish him! No, it. Oh, God, you need to see that movie. It's great. He buries Cindy's head beneath his mother's bedroom window. Some say bedroom window. Some say garden. Some said his window. There was a lot of different places. So Ed changed the story on this one a couple times to get the the best effect that he could for whoever he was talking to. Um, in one story, Ed said that he would talk to the head, her head at night. And that's where he, like, developed that boyfriend-girlfriend relationship with her. Uh, the other, of course, is the f- the funniest version in, like, the sickest way possible. Uh, he buried her head facing up to his mother's window because his mom said she always liked people to look up to her. Yeah, which, I mean, she was six foot tall. I'm pretty sure a lot of people looked up to it's her. It's fucking just... It's twisted, but kind of fucking funny. In like a, a horrid, way. I'm going to hell way. In an Ed Kemper way? Yeah. <laughs> the Ed Kemper humor. Yes. The rest of Cindy's remains were thrown from a cliff, and over the course of the next few weeks, all except her head and right hand were discovered. Yeah, he like chucked her body off, and it, she couldn't even get into the water, really. It like just hit the rocks below. Oh, my God. Like, part of her went in the water and part of her hit the rocks below on the cliffside. Fantastic. On February 5th, 1973, after a heated argument with his mother, Ed left his house in search of possible victims. With heightened suspicion of a serial killer preying on hitchhikers in the Santa Cruz area, students had been advised to accept rides only from cars with university stickers on them. Ed was able to obtain such a sticker, remember, because his mom was an administrative assistant at UC Santa Cruz. He met 23-year-old Rosalind Heather Thorpe and 20-year-old Alice, or Allison, a lot of, they go back and forth. It's either Allison, and they called her Alice, Helen Liu, on the UCSC campus. According to Ed, Rosalind entered his car first, reassuring Alice to also enter. He first fatally shot Rosalind and then Alice with his pistol and wrapped their bodies in blankets. Ed again brought his victims back to his mother's house. This is okay. This is probably his most reckless fucking kill yet, because I believe he. Correct me if I'm wrong. But I believe he did this on the UCLA campus. I think he did this on on campus. I mean, yeah, he took him from the campus. He drove right by. Oh, he did. He did kill him on campus yeah. because he had to drive by the security, the security guard with the bodies in the freaking back seat. Just wrapped in blankets. Yeah. I thought I had that in my in my notes. I don't know. But yeah, he, that death absolutely happened. Yeah. He was just like, see you later. The, the, yeah, this is his the most. Fuck? 
you tomorrow. Like I said, it's just it's <laughs> constantly it's constantly escalating. So in if, the weirdest ways. If yeah, it's it's fucking wild. Like it's almost like he was just like fuck it. I'm smarter than the cops. He thought he well, he kind of was, but yeah. I mean like. It, I mean, it's mind blowing that he. Of course, at that time they didn't have cameras or any of that shit, really on campus. I mean, I'm sure they had some closed circuit TVs, but that's yeah, not maybe on, just like in the parking lot. No. There was no way they just had it inside the building to protect the building. He just smoked two coeds on campus, and no one even was just like, "What's that?" And I mean, he started strong too. He started with a double kill. And now he's he's basically his next two murders essentially are double kills. Yeah. You could say. I mean no, it's yeah. So So he brings the victim brings Rosalind and Alice back to his mother's house. This time he had um he didn't wait till he got home. To behead them and dismember them. He did he it in the car. He was too excited. He did it in the car. Like a quickie. The worst kind of quickie. He was very proud of himself for this. He one. was. And then he did wait to get to his mom's house to do the things with their bodies. Put their head on the stake. Sure. I'm giving Eric a dirty look. Sure, Eric. He yes. fucked the heads. Thank you, Eric. Thank you. He dismembered the bodies, removed the bullets yet again to prevent identification, and discarded their remains the next morning. Was it the same cliff? I don't think so. No, I feel like that's that's a rookie mistake, and I don't think Ed's a rookie at this point anymore. No, he, he made his bumble butt mistakes the first round of kills. Yeah. Around a week later, some of the girls' remains were found near Eden Canyon, with more being found near Highway 1 in San Mateo County in March of that same year, so March of 1973. When questioned in an interview as to why he decapitated his victims, he explained, right, quote, the head trip fantasies were built, were a bit like a trophy, you know, the head is where everything is at. The brain, eyes, mouth. That's the person. I remember being told as a kid, you cut off the head and the body dies. The body is nothing after the head is cut off. Well, that's not quite true. There's a lot left in a girl's body without the head. Oh, he fucked those, those headless corpses, too. He had to have. I feel icky. Like, the throat hole. Ick. I have this serious ick with the rest of this. Like, God almighty. God ain't nothing to do with this. He has left the building. Jesus has left the chat? Yes. <laughs> Cue the AOL door shut. God damn it. All of my millennials are cracking up right now. Yeah. Our good old boomer humor episodes. <laughs> boomer humor. We are not boomers. We are elder millennials. By now, Ed has killed six young women and his violent urges were out of control. And his relationship with his mother was also at a breaking point. As it should be a long freaking time ago. In April of 1973, Ed committed his last two murders. On Good Friday, Ed drove over to his mom's house where they got into an argument and Ed attacked his mom after she'd gone to sleep by hitting her in the head with a hammer and then slitting her throat. All right, so I'm about to play a video of Ed talking about him killing his mother. So he got the he got the trophy. He he got the one he always wanted. His white whale, if you will. To his Captain Ahab. The object of his destruction. 
That was one week before I murdered my mother. I said, she's got to die, and I've got to die, or girls like that are going to die. And that's when I decided I'm going to murder my mother. I knew a week before she died, I was going to kill her. And she went out to a party, she got soused, she came home, went to sleep. I was woken up by that, I got, came out. I walked up to her bed, she's laying there reading a paperback. As many thousands of nights before. And she said, oh, I suppose you're going to want to sit up all night and talk now. Shit. And I looked at her, I said, no. I said, good night. And I knew I was going to kill her, you know? And I'm so cold, it's so hard. And that's the first time in 10 years I've looked at it that way. I mean, that intensely, that honestly. It hurts. Because I'm not a lizard, I'm not from under a rock. I came out of her vagina, see? Came out of my mother. And in a rage, I went right back in. I love that line, and then in a rage, I went right back in. <coughs> For seven years, she said, I haven't had sex with a man because of you, my murderous son. This is one of our arguments. I cut off her head, and, I'm, and I humiliated her corpse. It's there. You know? So, Sam, let's go into how Ed humiliated his mother's corpse, who hadn't had sex with a man in seven years because of her murderous son. So she knew. Like, That's what I was going to ask earlier. Like, do you think she, like, she knew? Oh, absolutely. About that what? it was him. About him. Killing all the co-eds. I think there was some thought there. Yeah, probably. I think she may had... I don't know, because she probably would have turned him the fuck in. She would, I don't think she knew. Yeah, I think she, she thought he was nobody. just... I think she thought he was just some worthless fucking pond scum that the best part of uh, ran out down the back of her ass when his, his dad knocked her up. Wow. Well. So, Ed, after slitting her throat, he decapitated her, cut off her hands, just as he'd done with his other victims. But instead of taking, just stopping there, <clears throat> he took it one step further and removed her tongue and larynx and put it in the garbage disposal. But the disposal couldn't break through the tissue, so like it couldn't like break it down and make it whatever the garbage yeah, disposal makes it, it. The garbage disposal <clears throat> couldn't process it. Yeah. It's too it's too stringy, it's too like sinewy. It won't go down. So Ed has a great fucking uh little little quip about that he said that seemed appropriate as much as she'd bitched and screamed and yelled at me over so many years fucking the man is a comedian i will give him that it's dark humor he comes full circle <laughs> he, he comes in a lot of circles that used to be attached to a spine i didn't even mean for that to be funny you don't have to. <laughs> I don't it, have to it try. Tracked. It tracked. So he desecrates the body. He. Uh, she finally got laid after that long seven years. Let's just put it that way. But it was not the part that she wanted. No, it was not the bottom half. No, no. No. It was her throat hole. Yep. Yep. And then what did he do to the body, Sam? I kind did, of he, did he play some fun <laughs> bar games, maybe? He uh, practiced his aim with darts. And he her used her fucking... So, Kemper, basically, when he decapitated her and then mouth-fucked the, the severed head, um, put her head on the mantle mm -hmm. and then just starts screaming at it and going off. And he's, like, completely unhinged at this point. Um, oh yeah, he's he's got the kill. Like Kemper's a displacement killer. I've said that in both episodes. This yeah, yeah. is the one person he wanted to fucking murder. 
the yeah. entire time. Those those six girls would have never died if he just killed his mom right off the rip. And we're we'll get more into why I think that later. But he's just screaming at her severed head on the mantle, and then he starts throwing darts at it and shit just to what really humiliate the darts. body. He didn't play shuffleboard. I, I would say bowling would be a better game. Ooh, that's maybe. a good one. What if they were steel tip darts? Oh, 100%. So they stuck in? Oh, yeah. I have a picture of her severed head. No she way! Looked, yeah. Does she look like Pinhead? No, no. It's mm. it's on the ground. Oh. It's like, on... there's a lot of blood. Ooh. Like, she was a spurter. For sure. She was a spurter. Jesus, God. <laughs> Episode is gone into chaos. I have a picture of old Clarnell's severed head on my phone. I can't post it on the socials, but you it can is post out it there. in the group chat. Uh, not on Facebook, I can't. No, but you can go look no, in I mean, our group oh, chat. Our group chat, yeah, yeah. You can go look and do your own research, uh, and yeah. then we won't get in trouble. So look up Ed Kemper's mom's severed head or Ed Kemper crime scene photos. You will find Clarnell's decapitated head. It's one of the only crime scene photos they have for Kemper. That's wild. I wonder why. And why do they have that one? Because it's the only one they actually have evidence of. Yeah, I mean, it's... The rest of it, he fucked into oblivion. Oh, that's true. That's true. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. That was the only actual, like, crime scene... Yes. ...that he had. So now he has just killed his mother and defiled her corpse and memory. And what does Ed do next, Sam? So, despite having killed the center of his hatred. hatred. <laughs> Let the hate. <laughs> what, what is it like that Star Wars shit? If you strike me down, I will come back four times stronger. Her well. Mom, his mom was basically like the female Palpatine. I, I really, yes. truly think that. So... He decided that he wasn't quite done yet. He still had a little bit of rage left over. He wanted to, to, he wanted to go for the twofer. He the love. So after hiding his mom's body parts, he called his mom's best friend, Sally Hallett, and invited her over. Ed strangled Sally and hid her body in a closet. Ed felt as though the suspicion would be thrown off of him if more than just his mother was found dead at the scene. He thought that he could claim that the two women went on a trip together. And he climbed into Sally's car and drove away. That kind of throws that theory off a little bit because he took her car. Correct. Well, he also left a note. He left a note saying he did it. At the crime scene? Yeah. That's what he said in an interview. I don't know if it's true or not. I never came across any of that. So, I watched an interview where he's like, I, I left a note saying, you know, uh, that uh, he was trying to get a head start on him, but he knew it was fucking, he knew it was over. Oh, yeah. He lost his lust to kill. Yeah. I mean, when he killed his mom, it, it was done. He thought he'd, you know, get one more rage kill out, but it it was just a, it. it was done. It was a whimper. He Ed Kemper goes out with a whimper. Mm-hmm. Not a bang. I mean well, he, well, he did go out with a bang. He did. A few bangs. Well, the main bang was his mom. Yeah. So he made it all the way to Pueblo, Colorado. I meant to look up how far that was, but I forgot. Before he grew impatient, he was waiting for the news broadcast of the grisly scene he left at his mom's house, but it never came. So on April 23rd, 1973, he gave up and he made a call to the Santa Cruz police and confessed his crimes. At first, they couldn't believe that Big Ed was a serial killer. Dude, he called them five fucking times. Yeah, between like three to five times. Yeah. 
And they're like, "Fuck, ah, you're drunk, Ed. Fucking go to go to sleep." And he like it. He had to call and ask over and over, "Is this person working? Let me talk to this person." Okay, well, he didn't believe me, so let me call this person. Like it was just a nonstop phone. What's it called? Phone train or what the fuck ever? Like it's just call after call after call of him being like i'm trying to fucking commit and confess these crimes that i committed you guys are not taking me seriously yeah so but once he came in for interrogations ed would lead them all of the lead them to all of the evidence that they needed to prove that he was in fact the co-ed killer well, he told him like yeah i killed my mom and her friend and I'm also the co-ed killer. Yeah. He, I mean, he's flat out told him. he, All the fight had been taken out of that man after he killed his mom. Yeah, the fun was gone. Yeah. During the, in- the thrill and the way to let off the steam and the contention was gone. He ran out. He let out all his steam and other things. During interrogations, police asked Ed why he stopped killing and turned himself in. He said, quote, it wasn't serving any physical or real or emotional purpose. It was just a pure waste of time emotionally. I couldn't handle it much longer. Toward the end there, I started feeling the folly of the whole damn thing. And at the point of near exhaustion, near collapse, I just said to hell with it and called it off. End quote. Police said that he was friendly and cooperative during the investigation and even agreed to show the detectives the locations of the clothing and the bodies of the missing co-eds. In an interview with Ed, he says, quote, My victims represented not what my mother was, but what she liked, what she coveted, what was important to her, and I was destroying it. End quote. Ed Kemper was charged with eight counts of first-degree murder. He went to trial for his crimes in October of 1973. He tried to plead insanity, but he was found guilty on all charges in early November. I believe it was like November 9th or something that like that. During the trial, he told the jury that he killed six female students because he wanted them, quote, for myself like possessions they were going to be mine. So he Whoa. did this. He did this like thing to try to get his insanity plea, where he talked about like turning them into dolls. He was trying to like cop cop the insanity plea. Yeah. So he just really ramped up the crazy, but it still wasn't enough because they're like clearly you had malice aforethought. Like oh yeah, he called us, dude. Yeah, and he picked up and dropped off like. I think it, I think I saw an it was like over a thousand hitchhikers. Yeah. Like by the time it was what? all said and done, yeah. a thousand. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was still going out and like picking people up in between the kills. Yeah. Just to see if he could, and he ended up letting like several girls that he really wanted to kill go. Just because he's like, no, I have I have to not do this. He didn't get those little zapples. Yeah, his, his zapples weren't ripe yet. Oh, that one makes you shudder. Yeah, that one. It's weird. Yeah, that one. That one's just gross. It's oogie. I don't like it. A forensic psychologist said that Ed explained that his, quote, need to possess a woman and his acts of necrophilia were clear indications of an unstable state of mind. End quote. No fucking shit. Fucking Curious George could have figured that out. He has also described the feeling that he had two beings inhabiting his body. And when the killer personality took over, it was, quote, kind of like blacking out. However, three court-appointed psychiatrists declared him legally sane. Yeah, I feel like he really tried to work up that. uh, Oh, yeah, he definitely tried. Yeah. He tried his damnedest. I mean... Wouldn't you? Absolutely. I, I do believe there is some credence to that. I, I think he um, compartmentalized that un- his true self to only like it, him doing the murders was like the real Ed Kemper. Oh yeah. The, the person interact you would interact with on a daily basis was him acting like a normal. Person. 
Yeah. It, it was an act. He was playing the the character of Ed Kemper as society should see Ed Kemper. Yeah, that's completely sociopathic. Yeah. Absolutely. This dude is textbook. The judge actually asked Ed what he thought his punishment should be, and Ed said that he should be tortured to death and asked for the death penalty. But it was suspended at the time of his sentencing. Oh, darn. Instead, the judge gave him eight consecutive life sentences, which doesn't even really do much because at this time in the state of California, I'm not sure about now, but regardless, if you're given a thousand life sentences, you still get the possibility of parole at some point. Yeah. So, like, what's the point of giving him eight consecutive life sentences if you're just going to give him well, parole let's dates? Let's be honest. They, uh, they're never going to get out or like, well, he's, no, he's never going to get out. No, right? but like, why even give you that glimmer of maybe one day? I mean, uh, I'll talk about, I'll Cause briefly the go into board it. needs paid. Fucking California. Uh, Ed Kemper is currently serving his time at the California medical facility in Vacaville, California. I only know how to pronounce Vacaville because of Mindhunter. There you go. That's a, I would not have made, I would not have gotten Vacaville out of that. Anyway, he is incarcerated with the likes of Charles Man, or was incarcerated, I guess, with Charles Manson and his arch nemesis, Herbert Mullen. Who we talked about last episode. Now, old Herbie. Herbie! Uh, Herbie and Kemper have this like Wally Cody versus the Roadrunner. Tom versus Jerry. Sylvester versus Tweety Bird. Yeah, it's that's probably the best one. Sylvester versus Tweety Bird, (laughs) um, as we'll see. But (laughs) Herbert Mullen, we talked about, killed 13 people to try to stop an earthquake uh, earthquake from Mm -hmm. having California slide into the ocean. So who knows? Maybe, maybe, uh, Herbert Mullen was onto something. I don't know. Yeah, California don't know. didn't. California was saved. It did not fall into the ocean from a super earthquake. You never know. So Kemper, he he described Herbert as just quote a cold blooded killer, killing everyone he saw for no good reason. Ed manipulated. And physically intimidated Herbert, who stood at five foot nine. He was a, he was uh, way shorter than Ed Kemper. He's still taller than me. And they were like right next to each other. So this this is by far the funniest shit <laughs> I have ever fucking read. Um. So basically, Herbert Mullen had this terrible fucking habit of getting on people's nerves. He was just an obnoxious prick. And when we cover him, you'll see what I'm talking about. But he had this fucking awful habit of just singing all the time. All the fucking time. So Ed decided he was going to uh, train Herbert Mullen like a fucking house cat. So when Herbert Mullen would sing and interrupt whatever was on the TV or whatever, get on Ed's nerves, Ed would throw a cup of water at him. Like squirting the cat with a water bottle. Yeah. So he trained him like a house cat. And then whenever he would do anything that, you know, he would, he got to a point where he would ask Ed if he could sing. And then if he, you know, if Ed said, yeah, he would give him a peanut or some peanuts or whatever. Freaking Pavlov'd him. Yeah. He basically used like behavioral modification on this dude to keep him as a pet. What is he, like a circus monkey? Basically. I mean, he could have sat on his shoulder. He's little enough. Oh, he's a little man. He, it's fucking amazing that he, like, this dude is a cold-blooded fucking killer. Yeah. And Kemper has manipulated this man into, like, may I please sing, Ed? Please, sir, can I have some more? Can I sing today, Ed? I really gotta sing. And Ed's like, okay, Herbie. Here's a peanut. He called him Herbie and like boy. Mullen, Herbert Mullen fucking hated that shit. But he was just like, after after being tormented by Ed, he's like, well, I guess this is this is how it's gonna go. 
Well, I mean, it's either that or he just... What does he do? Pop your head like a fucking pimple? I think that was actually said to a uh, psychiatrist at one point. It was said to the FBI agent that came to visit Ed Kemper during Mindhunter. I don't know if that was a dramatization or if that was like a misplaced quote. No, no, no. um, No, no, no. I don't know if it just happened, if it actually happened at that moment or if it just happened. I want to say um, Discovery Plus had a series on it. And I think it was, um, I think it was a psychiatrist that said it, but he got a little like antsy or something and called for the guards and Kemper was like, you want me to just tear your head right off your shoulders and have That's you That's what him? it was. Yeah. Um, but during Mindhunter, it was like he had gone to, oh, it was when, okay, well, he attempted to commit suicide twice while he was in prison. And one of the times, I'm not sure if Mindhunter follows exactly the events in chronological order, if they just kind of like pick and chose what they wanted to from Ed's storyline. But during the second season is when Ed tries to commit suicide and the guy, the FBI guy trying to start the F- the BAU goes and visits Ed because they already have like a rapport going. Mm. And Ed, like, isn't tethered to the bed at all, despite trying to unalive himself. Uh, And the guy goes and turns around or something, and Ed's just, like, there. And that's when he says that. Because he's like, what the fuck? Holy shit. Damn. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I gotta watch that show. It's so good. I never got into it. Fuck Fuck Netflix for canceling it. It was bullshit. Mm. So, during his early years behind bars, Ed agreed to many interviews with reporters and law enforcement personnel. He even met with the FBI to talk about his crimes and why he committed them, which you can see in Mindhunter. In an interview in 1984, Ed said, quote, it was getting easier to do. I was getting better at it. I was getting less detectable. I started flaunting that invisibility, severing a human head at night in front of my mother's residence with her at home, my neighbors at home upstairs, their picture window open, the curtains open, 11 11 o'clock at night, the lights are on and all they have to do is walk by, look out, and I've had it to be walking up the stairs with a camera bag that belonged to a young woman that had her severed head in it walking up to my apartment past a happy couple coming down the stairs who nodded and smiled at me as they went by and they were going out on a date where I'd love to be going. And I'm aware of both of these realities and the distance between those two was so dramatic, so amazing, so violent, end quote. So I'm not exactly, you know, sure when this part happened. It was brought up. Uh, during the time that he was up for parole, I don't know what year it was. It might have been his first time being up for parole. Um, but Ed's cousin, Patricia, wrote a letter to the parole panel urging them to deny him a parole date. She said, as a child, Ed mutilated the family cat, and one day she saw him waiting over a squirrel's hole for hours waiting to blow the squirrel's head off when it peeked its head out. <laughs> Eric's oh, dead. shit. She went on to say Who that... Who is he, fucking Elmer Fudd? <laughs> they say we very quiet. I'm hunting wabbits. Squirrels. Squirrels. I just didn't know what, how Elmer Fudd would say squirrel. Squirrels. Wabbit. She went on to say that he was a deeply disturbed person who will kill again if he's ever released. Ed testified that he was shocked that back in the 1970s... Uh, no, that was the story. Never mind. About the two... Mm. You want to clap that part? Yep. Just, uh, Jeff, re- remove that one part um, of Sam saying the start of that. So when I said testify that he was shocked. Yep. Just like at a Tascadero State Hospital, Ed was a model prisoner. 
He was eventually put in charge of scheduling other inmates' appointments with psychiatrists, and he spent over 5,000 hours narrating audiobooks of stories just like, of stories like uh, Dune and Star Wars. So he, had, the only good thing that's come out of Ed going to prison was he read over 5,000 hours of books for the blind. And he worked with a charity to do that. And I actually have a clip of him reading a horror story. The f- part of the first chapter called Flowers in the Attic. What a wonderful story for All him right. to read. <laughs> yes. Well, it's definitely dark. Yeah. So, especially when Ed Kemper is the one fucking reading it. So I'm about to play that right now. Do it. Chapter one. Goodbye, Daddy. (laughs) Truly, when I was very young, way back in the 50s, I believed all of life would be like one long and perfect summer day. After all, it did start out that way. There's not much I can say about our earliest childhood except that it was very good, and for that, I should be everlastingly grateful. We weren't rich, we weren't poor. If we lacked some necessity, I couldn't name it. If we had luxuries, I couldn't name those either without comparing what we had to what others had, and nobody had more or less in our middle-class neighborhood. In other words, short and simple, we were just ordinary run-of-the-mill children. And that is Ed Kemper reading Flowers in the Attic. I highly recommend that book if you've ever not read it before. I've read all three parts of Flowers in the Attic. wouldn't mind hearing like him as an audiobook in my head. He, he has a great voice. He does. For reading, it's very, very soothing. I don't know about if, if he talks I don't know like if you that can way. Get he's cutting it, your head off. I don't know if you can get any of those audio tapes, though. Ah, lame. I what? Don't, like, I'm sure you can, but... I will hunt for this. Yeah, find them. I will them. find them. In 1985, Ed waived his right for a parole hearing, saying that he was unsuitable for release. He doesn't expect to be released from prison anytime soon. He did have one in 1991, and then I didn't read about any other one until 2017, which supposedly that was, like, crazy. I didn't get to read all the way through it, though. Yeah. Um, and at this point, Ed is not doing so great. He suffered a stroke a couple years back. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I have some fun facts. Do we have time to read like one? Yeah, we got time to read one and that'll put us at the episode for the week. Okay. So the Berserker song forever from their self-titled album contains samples from Ed's statement such as I'm sitting there with a severed head in my hand, talking to it or looking at it. Fuck yeah, dude, that's metal. I'm about to go crazy. Literally, I'm about to go completely. Flywheel loose and just fall apart. And at the age of 24, it's just like a news news line Mm and headline or whatever. At the age of 24, he murdered his mother, then called police and confessed to having dismembered college co-eds for two years, as well as cannibalizing and raping their headless bodies. Also, uh, put her vocal cords in a garbage disposal, then threw darts at her severed head, all being references to Ed's murders. Well, damn. I'm going to check that band out. I thought, yeah, I thought you'd like that one the best. Yeah, that (laughs) that one's definitely my favorite. And, folks, that is Ed Kemper, done and dusted. Uh, Yeah. I think this big boy deserved those three big episodes. It, it was much deserved. They were still big episodes, too. Yeah. yeah. It's not like we sugarcoated any of them. Nope. He's, no, a, pers- he's a personal favorite. I, I love Ed Kemper. I thought Dahmer was your personal favorite. You guys are growing some of these. Dahmer will always be my A1. All right, Christian. Well, since Kemper's done and dusted, why don't we drop the socials? Thank you guys so much for an awesome beginning to August. We cannot thank you enough. And we're going to keep the momentum rolling. So we are actually going to be doing the Night Stalker, as Eric brought up, as our oh, Richie end. Richie Ramirez. And grand finale. 
for this year. Yep, end of this year for Summer of Slaughter, which means fucking spooky season. Uh, those episodes will be starting September second, uh, September second, and uh, it's gonna be a wild ride. It is going to be I'm so a crazy fucking ride. Make sure you guys are following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. The Tiki Taki, the Tiki Taki. Sam running it. Uh, we're gonna have some fun stuff coming up for you guys. So yes. make sure you guys stay tuned for that. It'll be something of a surprise. Yes, uh, I think it'll be a really good spooky season this year. Uh, we are not doing cryptids all season long for our cryptid Damn. fans. I'm sorry, but I wanted a little bit more variety. I put out a poll out on Instagram and Facebook. You guys said you wanted variety, so we're giving you what you wanted. Eh, variety is the spice of life. It really is. Now, so is ginger. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that there aren't cryptids on the list. No, that's not what you said. So, there are a couple, uh, three cryptid people, a few bones on there. His wife. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I threw Christian a few bones on there. So, guys, thank you so much, and we will see you next Friday. Bye. Bye. Stay creepy.